Hello and welcome to Case Reopened. I'm your host, Tyler Treese, and joining me as always is the great detective of the North, Colleen. How's it going? It's good. It's uh, my favorite time of the week. Time to talk about some Conan. Is detective gendered? Would you be like the detectives? Like, divess? Oh no. Detectiveness? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, what do you go by? I don't think so. Your royalty. I think it's gender neutral. Okay. <laughs> Your royal majesty. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Maitante sounds good to me. <laughs> so we've got two episodes of Detective Conan to cover today, which is one two-parter. The Mysterious Mansion of a Band of Thieves case. Do you remember this much, Colleen, going into it? Uh, full disclosure, no. <laughs> I did not remember this one. And I probably would have watched it dub, so I was trying to figure out what would have been, like, the clues in English, like, how they would have translated them. So, yeah, I don't remember this one too much. How about you? Uh, as soon as I saw the, like, the lion door, it all came back to me what this case was. Oh, These nice. early, like, okay. semi-early manga cases, they're always kind of, like, fresh in my mind. We'll see how the series goes, because I'll probably forget a ton of them. Once we get a little bit further into the series, but these like first like twenty volumes or so, like they're right at the forefront of my memory for some reason. But uh, this mm-hmm. first the part classics. is yeah, the classics. This first part is episode one hundred four, originally aired on June eighth, nineteen ninety eight. God, we're not even to the to the two thousands yet, Colleen. Yeah, still living in the nineties. Yeah, we're not even to ninety nine. <laughs> Good lord. We're decades <laughs> behind. This and but you're still think you still think this is a good idea, right? Like you're not giving up. I haven't thought this was a good idea since like episode five. <laughs> <laughs> but we're still going after it. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. So as you may have remembered, the Conan ten for this episode is stamps. And Conan introduces the case by saying, Today's stage is a mansion full of clocks. The case's bell becomes an alarming shout. Man, that's just chock full of puns. The episode begins with Ron reading a letter that her father received from a mystery writer named Nakamura Masao. It asks him to figure out the strange happenings that are occurring at the house they recently inherited from their grandfather. Masao says that strange things are happening in the mansion ever since they moved in and that they feel like they're being watched. Before the grandfather passed away... He had said that the mansion is special. Kegaro assumes that the author is a lonely woman in her late 20s, while Ron says it's probably a masculine gentleman in his 30s. And uh, Kegaro has a good moment. He says, why would I go and rent a car on a Sunday for a man? It's just <laughs> like, come on, Ron. Yeah, because Kegaro only does work for ladies. Much like me. Yes, you're all for the ladies, aren't you? Yeah, and Kegger is so sure about this that he didn't even bother to call for confirmation, and that was so they could have a touching first meeting. <laughs> uh, Ron starts yelling at her father, and Conan says that the old man can't be nice. Ron then asks Conan what he thinks, and he says that the handwriting is nice, so it might be a woman before taking off the stamp. Kegger proceeds to almost wreck the car, and then screams, Forgive me, Miss Alshon! Before arriving, so he gets some some good comedy. This case starts off with, yeah, 
and we got the uh, Conan hint right off the bat. So, like, if you blinked, you you missed it basically, because that's the only time I think that it appears. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't show back up until like the very end of episode two. So that's just very back of mind, forgotten about. Right. So were you leaning either way? Like, did you think it was actually a woman that was bringing them over to the mansion? Or was it a masculine gentleman in his 30s? Well, I figured Kogar would be wrong just because he's typically wrong. So I I thought it'd be a dude. Yeah, same. Like, the show likes to, yeah, yeah. The show likes to uh, make Kogar out to be a joke. So, yeah, I thought it was going to be a guy, too. The mansion is surrounded by the forest, and Kogoro says that it's too lonely for a woman on their own. Ron then says she understands why her mother left now, and Kogoro uses the lion's head ornament to knock on the door. Much to his shock, he's greeted by a middle-aged man, which is Ron's just totally enjoying. She's laughing at her father, and Conan asks the man if he wrote the letter, and he says that he didn't, as the person who wrote it is three years younger than him. Kagura has a glimmer of hope here, and he's like, oh, your younger sister? But no, it's a younger brother named Masao, who has his arm in a sling. What do you think about this guy injuring himself? Yeah, I um, I didn't have really any thoughts about that. I, um, I was just a little, uh, like, it just seemed a little weird that uh, there was two of them, I guess. I didn't really pay much attention to the arm though but uh later on i think they talk about how uh it was misao that inherited uh the mansion from the grandfather but the other guy also claims it's his grandfather so there's just something weird going on going on you you found it odd that the younger brother would get the inheritance rather than the older one yeah yeah ron asks him about the arm and he says that he heard himself moving shelves earlier and that it's just a slight sprain and then later on, we find out it's less of a sprain and more of a glock. Yeah. <laughs> Before they enter, Conan notes that it's weird that there's a tagger on top of one post, but nothing on the other, and that there's strange holes in it. Once inside, they all admire the vast number of animal-based clocks, and Ron mistakes a walrus for a seal somehow. <laughs> what do you think about all these clocks, Colleen? Um... So, I I mean, I like that they were animals, I guess. It it would have been boring if it was just a bunch of regular old clocks. Uh, I don't know. I guess I was uh, just patiently waiting for some sort of explanation. And we get one shortly after. But it doesn't really explain everything, I thought. Still an air of mystery to the clocks. There were a lot of clocks. Like, almost... A pretty ridiculous amount of clock. Like, it seemed like overkill. Like, <laughs> the whole point was, to, like, to set up this clue. But, like, did you need 5,000 clocks for it? Yeah. Like, it wasn't that mysterious. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> it just came off as, like, really neurotic. And, like, it, once they all struck at the same time, it was just like, oh, whoa, okay, that's kind of creepy. The older brother says that their grandfather loved animals and would say, instead of humans who lie and cheat each other to get richer... I prefer animals who hunt to survive. The grandfather, whose name was Izuguchi Manjaro, worked as a clock artisan, and it's said that his clocks last a lifetime. Do you have any animal clocks in your house, Colleen? Uh, I don't think so. No, I'm trying to think. Like, all of our clocks are kind of standard, boring kind of clocks. 
That's a shame. Uh, no- nothing like like dogs or anything like that. Ron then asks if Izaguchi worked on a digital bunny clock in the room, but the older brother says that he only did wind-up clocks. Kogoro then notices scratches on the digital clocks and sa- says that he was rough on things that he didn't make. The older brother finds that odd as his grandfather took care of all of his belongings. Kenner then points out that it looks like something was glued onto one of the clocks. And Ron finds a picture of the deceased grandfather with a girl, who's said to be the granddaughter of a friend. You know, because that's something just old dudes do, <laughs> is go golfing with their... Their friend's granddaughters. Like, friend's granddaughters. Yeah. Like, there was something so off about these two. Like, everything that they were telling them, I was like, that doesn't make any sense. Why, you never went to... Went golfing with your granddaughter's, with your grandpa's, wait, with your grandpa's <laughs> friend? Can't say you I never have. never did that? No. Um, maybe I was missing out on something. Obviously, that's what, you're, what you do. Yeah, it sounded like the whole guy was a predator or something. It kind of did. It was like, why didn't he take a photo with anybody else, just his friend's granddaughter, of all people? And then they find this golfing bag of his that says demon on it. And it's explained that uh, if you hit over 100 strokes in a game of golf, you're the Oni. And he was given that as a gag gift as his golfing didn't improve, which didn't make a ton of sense. Apparently in Hide and Go Seek in Japan, the person that's it is the Oni. So learn some, you learn all kinds of cultural things from the Detective Cutter. Yeah. Yeah, you certainly do. Um, like, And there's like a ton of it in this one in terms of like the... Um... The number stuff that they always put in. So, yeah. It's very educational. Ron recalls a gang of thieves using the name Demon and that they stole from shady companies and wrongdoers. Kegger says that isn't correct and that they were called Goblin. Immediately after saying that, Masao drops the tea that he was going to hand out. And then Conan notices one cup doesn't have an animal handle and that it has been sanded down. Ron cleans up the mess and then Kegger asks about the weird happenings. Well, I think the weird happening was that you said the name of this criminal organization and the guy just dropped all this silverware that he had. Yeah. <laughs> What's up with that? A very mysterious calling. Yeah, so far it's been kind of mysterious. And now that you're mentioning like some of the parts, like the the animal handle and the, I guess the glue stuck on the clock or something, I don't know what that was for in the end. Like, I don't, maybe... Maybe it'll be explained. I'm guessing they had lions because he only wanted one lion. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. I didn't. Somehow I for- so forgot about that. Because they say that he removed all the rest of the lions. Oh, okay. See, you need a man's intellect to really understand these complex Detective Cannon episodes. <laughs> That's what I say all the time. I just need a man to do everything for me. Isn't that the way that it's supposed I to kid, go? I kid, I kid. <laughs> of course, we're all we're all kidding. Like, we're all, like, the two of us <laughs> are kidding right now. Please don't take us seriously. Colleen wasn't kidding. She does always <laughs> wish for a man to do everything for her. But... No! Alas. No. Masao says, uh, tells him to come to the study, but the door is stuck. They then kick the lower right portion of the door and it opens. I, lo- I love this part because it's, <laughs> it's like... It's like Fonzie hitting the jukebox. <laughs> He's just like, well, you just gotta hit it here. Then it pops right open. Oh my gosh. I didn't even think of that, but <laughs> it's, that is like a Fonzie moment. Conan notices a small hole in the room, 
and what it, wonder what, what it's for, as it was too small to be a glory hole. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> you want to... He did not. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay, so what he, what he thinks is odd about, about the hole is that it was made with a toll, so it was very purposefully dumb. But it was too small for glory hole action, so it's worth noting. Uh, absolutely, especially since something occurs not too, uh, like soon, pretty soon. It, there's something and like involving an eyeball that's really like, okay, what's going on here? Oh, very true. It's then explained that a cuckoo clock nearby will ring at odd times, such as ten fifty, and something comes out that isn't a bird. However, when it hits that time, nothing happens. Kogoro suspects that it's just broken and says that he's going home. Conan then notices that the VCR's timer is set and that there's a scratch on it. Kogoro is about to leave and the brothers are like forcefully trying to keep him in when it suddenly turns to 11 o'clock and then a bunch of clocks and even the VCR go off at the same time. It's uh, quite the scene, Colleen. What do you think about all these clocks? Yeah, it uh, it was almost like unnecessary <laughs> when you think about it. I, I guess they needed it for the code or whatnot, but... Like, to your point, why are there so many clocks? Like, maybe one or two would suffice. Like, enough... T- Unless, like, they wanted to actually show that the guy was a clock maker and, like, a clock fanatic. Which, I don't know if I bought in the end. I thought maybe it was just, like... It was either A, a ruse, or B, uh, f- like, he actually did turn his life around and he ended up being, like, a clock fan. But uh, it was uh, at this point in the, the episode, <laughs> I I didn't really know what was going on. After after a long life of crime, <laughs> he just decided to get really into clocks. I mean, that's how I'm spending my I mean, later years. They have all sorts of like rehabilitation programs in prison now. Like you get out and you're now a cook, or you become a a knitting person, a seamstress. Or a clockmaker. Or a clockmaker. So, yeah, sure. Maybe that's what happened. So all the clocks stop after a minute, and the VCR only recorded for one minute as well. We then see a mysterious figure of a woman in a dark spot of the house looking on. What do you think about this? This unkempt woman just in the dark. So that was, okay, super creepy, first of all. Second of all, uh, it wasn't what i expected i thought like because at this point i knew there was something up with the two brothers so i thought she was um like an accomplice of theirs somehow um but yeah i i was just more creeped out by the silhouette what were your thoughts i kind of remembered what the case was so i was like oh yeah that's the girl from the from the photograph okay well because you're a man, you remembered. Yeah, see, we have that. We have us men. We have that half photographic memory. We remember everything, unless we don't. <laughs> Ron hears a noise, but Masao says it's just a cat in the house that they're trying to get rid of. Why are you trying to get rid of this cat? What? If, what an asshole! He, in my version of the subs, he actually said a big cat for some reason, like as if. Like that made any difference? He's like, "Oh, it's a, it's a big cat." <laughs> As if it's like a lion. Like big cat equals big noise. 
You then ask Kogoro if he can figure out the riddle of the clocks ringing every day at 11. Kogoro says that maybe it was just a prank from their grandfather, but Conan says that only the digital clocks went off at that time, and none of the analog ones did. Ron confirms this, as all of the analog clocks have their alarms turned off. After learning that the VCR also went off, Kogoro theorizes the, that the grandfather liked a show that came on at 11 o'clock each day, and that he set all the alarms for it, you know, because he wanted, didn't want to miss Yoko Akino or <laughs> right. something. Well, in that case, uh, Kogoro's out of luck. He checks the content of the video, but it's completely blank, and the television isn't hooked up to an antenna. Conan then points out the, the scratch, and Ron notices similar scratches on the other clocks. Conan says that the 110 might be a code, because that's what it shows when uh, the clock goes off. So, huh. Hmm. Kogoro mentions that 110 is the number for police in Japan, and then says that he's figured it out. It's telling them to search for a police dog. So he tells them all to look to find all the dog clocks in the house. So they gather them all up, but they can't really find anything. Ron suggests it might be a Dalmatian, like the movie. <laughs> but Conan says that it's 101 Dalmatians, not 110. I like that. Yeah, this is a good scene. Conan walks up to the attic, but it's locked. And he looks through a hole in it. Terrifyingly, a person's eye stares back at him. And then the older brother appears, telling him that there's nothing in the room. Conan says that he saw someone, but the man says it's just the cat, you know, the big cat. <laughs> and that if you put yourself in danger again, I'm sure the cat would be sad, too. So he kind of threatens, like, Conan right in front of Ron here, and she's none the wiser about it. Yeah. And he just sort of picks him up like a little baby. He's like, oh, there you go. Carries him downstairs. He's like, oh, little, little baby. baby. You didn't Conan. see nothing. And what'd you think about this creepy-ass eye? Oh, it was just, ugh, that was like the uh, the cherry on top of the creepy cake. Like, I, I, at this point, I... The, the cre- creepy cake? <laughs> was this the lemon pie <laughs> from last week? The, the lemon pie that uh, Shinichi didn't like. It wasn't creepy enough for him. It wasn't mysterious enough. Ron takes Conan back to the study, but he's sure that he saw a human eye. Conan then finds a folder named Goblin in the study and finds newspaper clippings about the crime syndicate. Conan says that they targeted crooked businesses and that they always left a goblin figure at the scene of the crimes. He then reads that Goblin stopped ten years ago and that they were never caught. There are eight suspected members and their leader is called Demon. Conan recalls the golf bag from earlier and then notices a mirror on the desk that is glued to it. He then notices the hole he saw before, and then sees the cuckoo clock, which then activates. We hear Ron scream out, because she's like a five-year-old for some reason, <laughs> and everybody runs to the room, and they see this strange goblin creature that comes out of the clock. And Conan says it's the same exact figurine that was left um, at the scene of the crimes before, but he wonders why there's three of them as the episode ends. Uh, Colleen, what do you think about the figurine here and ron just screaming out oh i thought that was a creepy oh this is just the theme of the episode creepy cuckoo clock together with all the other creepiness going on um i don't know i i was still trying to figure out what all this was about but the clues were pretty well laid out like he just read about a crime group called uh goblin so like, oh, ergo, we see goblins coming out of the cuckoo clock and not an actual bird. So it seemed like things were, you know, 
there's a logical sequence to all of this and like how we find out different clues as the audience. And the next Conan's hint is door. Yeah. Door. Okay. Could have been door knocker, but doors? Okay. Conan then says, next time we solve the mystery of the mansion. And then another character says, the mystery is that it's made of red beans. <laughs> this is another Japanese pun that I could not be bothered to understand. <laughs> Sounds yummy. So we move on to episode 105, which is the mysterious mansion of a band of thieves part two. This originally aired one week later on June 15th, 1998. And Conan says, today is the conclusion of the mansion case. Just knowing the code won't help you solve it. I think knowing the code will help you solve it. Like, that's kind of a big yeah. part of it. Like, <laughs> it might not give you the whole thing right. Yeah, this is kind of inaccurate. Uh, well, if they didn't have a flashlight, then, like, game over there. So, doesn't matter if they knew the code. Very true. I will say, there's not much of a... Like, the code's kind of, like, completely useless after you notice the whole thing with the door. Because you just follow a damn light around. There's no, like... It's not even, like... None of... Like, 99% of these clocks weren't needed. <laughs> like, what? This is, like, so overly complicated for, like, just, like, a light switch activated yeah. thing. No, I, I agree with you. And there didn't seem to be any sort of sense of urgency, at least for, like, I don't know, 85% of this episode. So, like, who cares? Kogoro and Conan could have stayed there for a week if they wanted to, trying to figure out this code. Like, there was no sense of urgency at all. So. Well, the big cat in the attic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, poor, no. We can we, we we wouldn't want that now. After a brief recap, the episode resumes with Conan noticing letters on the head of the three uh, goblins. They say L, N, and R. Kogoro wonders what the N stands for in the middle and guesses north before it goes back inside the clock. I'm just glad he didn't guess a racial slur. Yeah, there. that uh, that uh, seemed like maybe something Kogoro would do. Or he could have <laughs> could have gone the like boy band route. They had uh, you know their their letters on their heads, and there's three of them. So Ron says that it came out exactly at one ten p.m. Michelle says that that's odd, as it came out at 10.50 previously. The older brother then whispers to Mizao that the figures that came out are them, to shock Mizao, and Conan figures out what's happening here, but he still has to solve the code left behind by Izaguchi. Did you have, like, this case kind of figured out here then, Colleen? That, uh, they were, like, hit part parts of the syndicate? Like, it seems pretty yeah. obvious by oh, now. Oh, yeah, I, I got that. Uh, I think... From uh, from the point when Co um, when Conan was looking at the Goblin file, I knew that they wouldn't show us that if it didn't have anything to do with the the thieves actually infiltrating the mansion. So I knew that part. I was still unclear about the whole N uh, L N R thing with the goblins. So yeah, I was just patiently waiting for that. So, uh, you mentioned this before about the pacing, just about how there's no real stakes for, you know, 85% of the episode. What do you think about it? Because it's not like this case is all that hard to figure out. I mean, I guess, like, the, we didn't know the 
the letters stuff, but that's such a Japan. It winds up being such a Japanese based answer that you really can't guess that part. Uh, so what do you feel about just the pacing? Because you're right. There's not much. Most of these two parters, like multiple people are dead by now. There's some big mystery or like there's a key character that like a Hattori or a thief. Who's the thief? Uh, Kato kids there. So you usually have somebody like there or something big happening. There's none of that here and there's no real, this case isn't that exciting. I feel as most of the other two parters. I mean, it, I liked parts of it, but this wasn't like the, the greatest two-parter in my No, I, uh, I don't know. So it wasn't the greatest in terms of, uh, you know, making like being suspenseful, but it did keep my interest at least. Like I thought the codes and all the light stuff was pretty, pretty neat. Um, but I was kind of waiting for there to be a little bit more action. Honestly, it kind of felt like a Detective Boys episode because they do a lot of those like code things with the kids. Um, so the fact that they did one with Kogro, uh, it's just, I th- well, it's kind of refreshing, but I don't know if it works as well because it just seems to be a little bit more low key. And like the two guys, they didn't really, they weren't really rushing them at all. So it was almost like, okay, what what is their deal? Like, are they even uh, looking for something at this point? Like, what is their motive here? Yeah, yeah. And it's funny that you mentioned the detective boys, because before this episode began and it was Koguro and everybody, I was so sure this was an episode that had the detective boys and they're with Agasa and they're like visiting his friend and trying to figure out this, uh, the mystery of the house. I know that's an episode at some point. So maybe soon or later on in the series, there's going to be an episode a lot like this mm-hmm. with the detective boys. So we'll see right. it at some point. But uh, like, I was so sure that this was that episode and then it wound up being a different one. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Weird. Because it does feel like a detective boys episode, but they we don't have that type of charming, you know, kids stumbling around. We just have Kogura yeah. being dumb. And Ron doesn't really have many moments in this two-parter. I was kind of disappointed in not getting to see more involvement for her, especially this episode, because she basically just stands around holding a light for half. No, it was so funny. It was it was almost like really ironic. Like they were actually showing that uh, Ron, like <laughs> Ron's purpose in this episode, like this is her uh moment to shine if you will like she was holding a flashlight and she was even like ticked off about it a little bit she's like what i'm supposed to still hold this thing and then while everybody else was actually falling along the light i mean she did have a great part at the very end where she used her karate so at least we got that but you're right like ron was kind of just there more so than other episodes for uh, this time around Although she does have a little moment here. She looks at a figure and says that she's figured everything out. She says that there's not a single lion inside the house. And Kogoro says that there's one by the entrance, as he's the king of all beasts. Conan then starts laughing uncontrollably, and Kogoro just calls him a little weirdo, which I like. Because mm-hmm. he, he is just a weirdo. Yeah. Well, because he doesn't say exactly what he means most of the time. He'll just figure things out, and then he'll laugh to himself. So, of course, Kogoro probably thinks he's a weirdo. Conan says that the code for the cuckoo clock might be different from the digital ones, and then has a realization after thinking about triplets. 
He then heads outside and figures everything out. Conan comes back and he tells Ron that hurrying won't help solve the code as it might just appear if they wait until after dark. Later that night, Kegra is stumped and he gets really angry with Ron after she's like, hey, can we go home? And he's like, <laughs> shut up! Yeah, I don't know if that was fair. The other thing, um, so when Conan, uh, like we've talked about this before where uh, most of the time as the audience, you see what Conan sees and then there'll be like one pivotal piece of information that they'll uh, keep away from us and then Conan solves it and then you're like, well, if I had that piece of information, maybe I would have solved it too. So that's kind of how I felt when Conan opened the front door and like looked outside and he's like, oh, I've got the case because we didn't actually see what was out there. So I thought they were trying to keep something away from us. But when I realized that it wasn't, it was like the night sky, I suppose, then like, I guess my, my uh, suspicion was incorrect. But that's like the feeling I got when Conan opened that door. I was like, can we please see what he's looking at? Kegura says that two ones indicate stripes and that they should round up all the zebras. But uh, Masao says, hey, tigers and cats have stripes too. And so that kind of leads to nowhere. <laughs> it's just like a typical Kogoro uh, deduction. It really is. Conan then playfully gives everybody a hint by asking what the strongest animal is. After being told it's a lion, he says it's the king of six beasts. Kogoro says it's 100, not six. And with that, Kogura figures out that the code stands for the King of a Hundred Beasts. King of a Hundred Beasts. He says that the scratch was the. He says that the scratch was to separate the one ten from the zero, and that they have to check the line at the front as the rest have been removed to avoid confusion. So that's why some of the stuff was missing mm-hmm. from earlier. Although, like, I don't know. Maybe you don't have so many fucking <laughs> clocks, man. What are you doing? Yeah. Like, just have maybe one of each animal, if you will. Kogoro examines the one at the door entrance to Novell, and then admits that the 110 and LNR don't match up. We then get a fun glimpse at Kogoro's brain as he tries to figure out the code. He goes from a secret bath to thread to the name Ito. However, they don't know anybody named that, and Conan starts laughing. He says that if you change the first letter, it becomes a different name. Kogoro then uses the letter from the word Oni to get L110, N110, and R110. This turns into light, night, and right. Obviously. Um, there, I guess, some Japanese spelling. I don't know. Yeah, there's a, there's a leap in logic here that I was like, okay, well, sure. If you say so. Like, this was a very, the solution here is very Japanese. Yeah, I'm just like, okay, I'm going to go with it. Conan points out that the area where the lion is opens up. And Kegura has Ron hold the light there for about the rest of the episode. <laughs> Most important thing to do here is to hold the light. It reflects through the post with holes in it. And Kegura follows the light. It eventually goes inside to the study. So they enter the house. And this is where she's like, wait, I still got to <laughs> stand there? And they're like, yes. They then hear a cuckoo clock activate as a bird comes out with a gold watch that has a bunch of jewels in it comes out. Kegura says that it must be a light-activated clock that only works at night, and Masao says that the, this must be the present that his grandfather left for him. Kegura says that if the gems are genuine, it must be worth billions. So what do you think about this fancy-ass watch? Uh, it was kind of gaudy. Like, I don't know. And it almost seemed, maybe it was just me, but 
it seemed a little anticlimactic because I thought I didn't even know like again I wasn't sure what the motive was for these two guys and once I saw that it was the like the watch I was like okay so that's all that they're looking for I suppose I mean if it's worth billions then sure that's a nice uh payday but uh seemed like they went through a lot just to find a watch Cannon says that it's stolen goods and that demon in the arrest of the goblin hit it. He, I, I, this part was kind of weird because Koger, like Conan doesn't knock Koger out. There's no like playing dumb. He just goes into this full explanation. And then at the very end, he's like, oh, but you must have known this, right? Yeah. Koger is like, yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah, I missed sleeping Kogoro, but... I guess there was no real reason to do sleeping Kogoro because he'd be just talking to the two guys and maybe Ron if wherever she was at this point. I can't remember if she was in the room or near the door. Like there's no police officers or anything. So I guess that's why they didn't do it. He reminds Kogoro of the figurines in the golf bag and says that these two aren't the ones that sent the letter. Gasp. (laughs) While the person that wrote the letter barely knew about the house, these people knew how to open the stuck door. They also mistook the clock ringing at 110 for 1050 because they saw a reflection of it from outside. These are actually the people that were watching the real missile, who is a woman. Conan then shows Kogoro the lipstick on the back of the stamp that was on the letter. And so, yeah, it was a woman all along. Like, look at that. I guess Kogoro was right for once. (laughs) I know. I kind of love that, how, like, Kogoro is actually right here. The one time. And it kind of has. It was accidental, absolutely. It, I love that. Um, I love. I love just that whole mechanic because um, Kogoro, like obviously being wrong, is the whole joke here. And of course, it ends up being a man that greets them at the door. But the fact that he was right in the at the very end is just. I, I thought it was very well written. The fake missile then shows that his cast wasn't an injured arm, but rather a gun. And he just fires a bullet at him. Uh, he says that it's quite the deduction, and that they're former members of Goblin, and that they came to get their stash treasure that the boss had kept for himself. After learning that he died, they came back to their old hideout, but somebody was there before them. They then decided to pose as Masao, who's locked in the attic, and use the detective to their advantage. They threaten Kokoro for the watch, and we, he, he gets this one cool scene here. Kokoro kisses the watch throws it into the air to distract them, and then he runs towards the gun. All while this happened, Conan picks up a clock and kicks it, and it hits the gun, disarming him. And then Kogoro, he just performs this perfect judo throw to take out the fake missile out. The older man then grabs Ron, who like just hears his commotion and runs in the room, and he tries to take her hostage, and Conan's like, you idiot, this is not going to end well for you. And then Ron just elbows out of the dude and then hits him with an axe kick. And she's like, man, that was a shock. <laughs> That's kind of just how the episode and Conan ends. Conan and Kogoro are just staring at her blankly. It, it was really good. It was a good moment for Ron. Yeah, Ron didn't have much this episode, but she at least she kicked ass yeah. at the very end. That's our girl. What do you think about this final part of the episode with the, you know, Conan just bluntly stating what's going on and there's not much shock here from anybody. Even Kogoro is kind of like, huh, I guess that's right. <laughs> and um, then we have this big action scene. Yeah. Um, well, 
So I thought that because this was kind of the way that the episode kind of ran, like we got clues sort of naturally coming in. It wasn't a shock to anybody, including the audience, at least that's my impression. And it was kind of resolved really quickly. So they found the watch. Conan just kind of explains what happens. And there wasn't, I guess, much, uh, like you said, shock factor in the deduction. It's just like, okay, we caught you guys red-handed type of thing. And like throughout the episode, I wasn't sensing a lot of deviousness from these two characters either. Like their stories were weird. They didn't seem to add up. But I, I didn't also get like anything from their facial expressions to show that they were actually kind of con men or anything so it was all like kind of randomly put together at the end and i mean the guy the fact that the guy's arm wasn't actually broken he had a gun the entire time i guess that was uh interesting if we knew that it was a gun like maybe what could have helped out was that if early on they had like a little the two guys had a scene where they're like know in cahoots with one another and we see that the guy has a hidden gun maybe then there would be a sense of danger but because it was sort of all like a surprise included with the deduction it kind of like we didn't have a lot of time to react yeah i definitely agree with you there because it's not you know like you said it's not a big shock that they're bad guys when we get to the end so like at least they could have kind of raised the stakes beforehand to add something some sense of danger or mystery to the unveil, and then we never even come near the woman that's stashed in this attic until the after credits scene. So let's recap that real quick. Uh, the police take the two unconscious thieves away, and they rescue Masao from the attic. She wound up being the woman that was in the picture and was given the watch by Kegro. He tells her that if she hides it, the police might not find out. But she's like, yo, this is stolen goods. I can't have this. What are you doing? <laughs> Trying to get me in trouble. That care girl. Yeah. I'm, uh, I was very impressed with her, though. Like, she she said, you know, despite it being something that my grandfather might have left for me, like, it's stolen, so I'm not. And she also plays it off really coolly. She's like, whoa, okay, my grandfather was the ringleader of a criminal syndicate. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, this doesn't seem like a big shock to her, so she must have been, she must have known this. Uh, She says that the mansion is the ultimate gift for a mystery writer like me. Maybe that watch wasn't for me, but for the person to find it. Conan says that isn't correct, as it was made for her, as the hands of the clock are stopped at 3.30, which can be, which kind of spells out her name in Japanese somehow. I don't know. But. Seems legit. <laughs> they, they threw it all on the screen, but I was like, sure. I'm like, yeah, okay. We'll go with that. <laughs> and that's how the episode ends there. What do you think about this little introduction of the girl? I'm sad that Kogoro didn't get more flirting opportunities, but uh, I thought this was a, a fun Yeah, idea. I mean, it was, uh, it was kind of a nice conclusion to hear that, okay, it was actually the granddaughter in the attic the entire time, not a big cat or whatever stupid excuse they were going to come up with. Um, I feel like Detective Detective Conan does this a lot and other anime too, where they'll purposely show you something and then it ends up not being exactly that way. Like, So her uh, silhouette, like it was 
purposely drawn almost like to freak you out and her hair was like spiky and all that but when she comes out she's like you know perfectly with a ponytail and she's all tied up and everything so um it kind of didn't match the earlier uh, clip that we saw so it was almost like okay they're trying to scare us but uh I mean, I, I suppose it worked. Like, it kind of threw me off because I, I thought, okay, maybe she was, like, one of the the thieves as well. And for some reason, they put her in the attic to, to do something. I just don't know. But uh, the fact that it ended up being the granddaughter, um, I felt was a, a much better conclusion. <laughs> <coughs> the next canon's hint is Highway Bus. And then the episode ends with another... Joke here, uh, Karen says, next time is a breaking news case. And this woman says, Dad, who's this in the picture next to you? And then the man just goes, oh, no. All right. Yeah. High comedy. Oh, like the top in hilarity. <laughs> you know, at some point, um, the like fan subs stop including these little bits like i think it's like in the 200s or 300s and i'm not gonna miss them because <laughs> <laughs> most of them are like some pun that i don't understand or they're just complete yeah. nonsense uh i do i do get a good chuckle of the ones that i keep thinking are genta's voice i don't think this was one of them but yeah i think yeah. half of them are genta <laughs> i don't know yeah so, what do you think of the episode overall? So, I thought it was an it was a two part that kept my interest, but after all was said and done, it wasn't like looking back. I don't know if I would put this like as my even like top twenty or top thirty or anything like that. I I did think that it was well laid out. Like the clues were easy to follow along with, and the storyline was easy. The code was a little like uh, so it might be more appropriate for a uh, like Japanese speaking audience um the fact that uh it relied heavily on kind of what numbers represent in Japanese kind of uh it would be lost on um a non-Japanese speaking audience so that was a little bit of a shame but I thought the other clues were pretty pretty good uh there were some nice comedic moments so that's fine uh, and overall, my impression was that uh, I I liked the idea of trying to take what would be kind of like a classic detective voice um, plot line with the codes and the thieves and all that and inserting Ron and Kogro in there instead. So I thought that was an interesting look at how that would play out. I don't know how like popular or successful it was because I don't know how many more like code kind of code solving code breaking episodes we have with Kogro like I think they try and keep those for the detective voice but um overall like I enjoyed watching it but I don't know if I would register in m this in my memory as like an episode that oh I I've got to go back and watch this sometime soon Yeah this kind of struck me as like a almost like a comfort food type of episode where there's never real stress. There's nothing. It, it keeps you entertained throughout the entire time. Cause I was never bored or anything, but like kind of just lacks that big moment that makes it super memorable. But it was also memorable enough to where I kind of remembered the whole case. So it does, it clearly didn't just like 
go into the void after I saw it. Um, so it did stick with me to an extent. Um, but yeah, I just thought like, I kind of have bigger expectations for a two-parter, but this is a totally fine, like, episode. Um, I have no problem with the case itself. It's kind of nice to have something that's not a murder for once. Although, they, I guess they did try to shoot Kogro, and they were probably going to kill that girl in the attic. So, uh, maybe there was some attempted murder. But, uh, it's nice that nobody died <laughs> for a change. But yeah, I thought it was a decent episode, even if this definitely isn't going to be something I'm going to be like, man, we gotta, can't wait <laughs> to revisit this in the dub. And Although, actually, I'm kind of really interested in seeing how they dub it, just because it was so Japanese with the the answers so um i am intrigued to watch the dub now for that reasoning yeah same here like if only to just find out how they translate the code so next time on the podcast we'll be going over the scoop picture murder case and then another one of geisho yama's a little special cases which is the santa claus of summer so santa's back Santa's back, back again. Tell a friend. I'm excited for that. We haven't seen a uh, special in a minute, and the last time we did it was like five minutes long, which is kind of nice. I'm guessing this one isn't going to be that short, is it? No, it's okay. a full-length one. Have you sadly. seen it before? Because I haven't. No, oh, no, okay. I have not. So I'm interested in seeing how it is. Okay. So something new for both of us in the Scoop Picture Murder Case. I remember that being pretty interesting. And, you know, since we haven't gone totally over, I'm going to give some shout-outs. We haven't done this in a while. Ooh, goody. Yeah, shout-out to Miami, down in Florida. We've got Pittsburgh, which sucks, but uh, I live near there, so I'm not going to say too much bad. Uh, Missouri City, El Paso, Texas. We've got Madison, which is Wisconsin. Where else we got? we got Turin, Paris, Budapest. Have you been to any of these places? Have you been to Budapest? Yeah, I've been there. Have you been to Dublin down in no, Ireland? No, not Dublin. <laughs> Despite my name being Irish. Apparently a part of Australia called Hornsby. Shout out to there. Kotoku. Uh, got eight downloads in Bangkok this week. So yeah, shout out, shout outs all around That's the world. That's amazing. Uh, where else? We had Jetta. Yeah. I can't believe there are so many Detective Conan fans. Well, actually, I, I can believe it. I just, it's hard to picture, like, uh, everybody all around the world watching Detective Conan. It's hard to picture anybody bothering with our podcast, is what you're trying no. to <laughs> No, because, well, it's nice that uh, people obviously fans of the show want to get more material and kind of are nice enough to listen to an hour of us just talking about it yeah and uh, feel, feel free to get in touch with us you can contact the show on twitter at case underscore reopened uh you can also send stuff directly to me at tyler trees on twitter colleen's not on the social media because she's Smarter than me. No, I don't know about that. And we'll be back next week with those two exciting... Uh, well, we have one episode in special. Still exciting, though. And uh, we'll be back next week. Bye. Bye. And remember, one truth always prevails. <laughs>